Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have Carlos again this week. I don't know if his vacation extended or what, but we do have, we do have, I think somebody y'all will uh, enjoy listening to. I, I don't want to say more. I mean, Jeff might say that. Jeffrey here, of course, I'm talking about of 971 The Ticket, co host of the, uh, he says it's the Wojo and Rigor show. I'm going to call it the Rigor and Wojo show. I think that's probably a little bit more appropriate. He carries that show. I think we all know that. I think Wo- Wojo knows that. But uh, in any case, uh, Jeff, thank you for sitting in and uh, kind of co-piloting here with us this week. Absolutely, Sean. And and yeah, I don't think Wojo would ever admit to that. Uh, but I would agree with everything you said. I think it was said brilliantly. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, you know, good. I, I, for for the moment, at least, we're agreeing. How about that? Absolutely. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get into. Um, a little bit of Tigers baseball, specifically the general manager that that organization, Al uh, Avila or Avla. I'm sorry, uh, you know I don't know. You can correct me there, Jeff, if you want. I'm used to writing his name out, not saying it. I always say Avila. I know his Alex was Avila. Yeah, he and was. I know there was a time where Al said it's Avila. So I always say Avila, though. I, I think it kind of that kind of went by the wayside, right? Like I think he corrected everybody, but nobody seemed to use it and. I mean, I've, I actually feel a little bad though. We should probably call him Ovula because that's his name. Yeah, no, for sure. I know it's funny. I haven't, I haven't heard that in a while. But um, you said something. Actually, let me, let me, let me give a quick bit of context. It's funny because I was, I had, I'd had a family uh, gathering a few days ago. I want to say met some old uh, friends of my my parents, and I was on the way back home, and my brother had been there, and he calls me up, or maybe I called him. I can't remember anyway. He said, "Hey, hey." Rieger's on the radio ripping you right now. And I said, really? He's mentioned me by name. I said, he's mentioned me by name. He said, no, no, he's not. He's just talking about, he wants to know why none of the Detroit, maybe specifically columnists, I don't know if he said media or columnists, I don't want to put words in your mouth, had not called for uh, Al's job at this point in the season or maybe, you know, seasons prior or whatever. And that you were a little bit uh, perplexed, maybe even a touch frustrated by that. So I, I got to thinking about that. And it's a it's a great question, and I want to I want to discuss that. Also, just get into the idea. We can do this a little bit later. Of just what it is, why fans like obviously on on talk radio, but also in print, why fans like reporters, columnists specifically, to call for somebody's job when somebody's struggling. You know what that does psychologically, and that sort of thing. But but before we get to to that part of it, I I want to know where you stand. Uh, I think I can guess, but where you stand on uh, on the job he's done, on uh, Al Avila has done with the Tigers? Well, well, he's done a wonderful job, Sean. No, uh, no, I, I think Al's done a, an awful job. And I think it's unfortunate because I really like Al as a person, but like I guess that's what you say about somebody right before you're about to rip on him, right? But overall, he's had seven years as the GM. And I think the easiest way to put this is, if I ask you about any general manager or really any person in this town, sports-wise, what their best move is, I think you pretty much can easily tell me. Like, for instance, if I ask you what Joe Dumar's best move was when he was the GM, you could say Rasheed Wallace, or you could say getting Rip for Jerry Stackhouse, or you could say getting Ben Wallace. Like, those are three moves that nobody would question without a doubt. Those are three great moves that help you win a title. Chauncey right? Billups, if, right? Jump, Billups, another one, right? There's four moves. If I say Dave Dombrowski, I'll tell you, Dave, Dave got your pudge. You overpaid, but he came and he kind of set respectability for the Tigers. 
He got your mags the next year. He traded for Guillen. He traded for Polanco. Like, Dave Dombrowski made a lot of savvy moves that helped you get to where you were, which was the World Series in 6 and 12. With Al Avila, seven years, he took over the job in August 15. If I ask him what his best move is, you really got to struggle. Like, maybe you'll say Castellanos for Alex Lang. Maybe you'll say firing Brad Ausmus. Maybe you'll say Bo Brisky in the 27th round. Maybe you'll say Tarek Skubal in the ninth round. Alex Fiedo, he was a first rounder. But overall, there is no slam dunk, surefire move that Al has made that everybody runs to and says, what a great move. But the problem is there's a laundry list of moves that he's made that has not worked out. Like just this year alone, like moves that affect this year. And, and by the way, Sean, like everybody knows about J.D. Everybody knows about Justin Verlander. We're not even talking about that or the bad free agent signing. But look at a guy like Joe Mantiply, who just pitched in the All-Star game. He pitches for the Diamondbacks. He's one of the better relievers of baseball. Tigers had him. They DFA'd him. Now, you could say, well, so did Ryan Cashman of the Yankees. Okay, fair enough. But then go to uh, John Schreiber. Same deal. Pitches for the Red Sox. Was not an all-star. Is phenomenal. Tigers DFA'd him in 2021 to make room for Nomar Mazzara. Okay, and now he's killing it in Boston. Then you mentioned Nomar Mazzara. Nomar Mazzara played in Detroit for all of, I don't know, a season. Now he's killing it in San Diego. Like, everybody talks about the Isaac Paredes trade. Like, Austin Meadows can't play. He's got two bum Achilles somehow, and he had vertigo, and he had COVID. Meanwhile, Paredes has slowed down without a doubt, but leads Tampa Bay in home runs. And he also gave away a competitive balance pick that they used, the Rays used in the draft the other day. So, like, every move that Al makes has turned to garbage. So, so yeah, I, I just think it's time. You're not even talking about Javier Baez, right? Or Eduardo Rodriguez. What about Eduardo Rodriguez? That's another one. Eduardo Rodriguez. I mean, if you want to say I don't count that against Bale, I guess I understand that because it's never happened before. But it sure doesn't look good when you add it on to the list of everything that Al's done. No, it it it, it doesn't. I mean, you're it, it, look the the one move, you know, and maybe you could say you got lucky. The one move that may eventually turn out to be the slam dunk move, of course, is Riley Green, right? Yeah, oh, that's a fair. I forgot about Riley Green. That, that's that, that's the one. I mean, I and maybe Torkelson. Who knows? I mean, it's, I I wouldn't give up on him yet. But that, but but he's an you know a, a top pick. And Riley, what was what was Green? Five, six, five. He was five overall in the draft before Torque, I believe. Yeah, exactly. The year before, so so five. So you you know, it's like um, it's like Jaden Ivey works out. Then you're going to give uh, Troy Weaver credit because he was the fifth pick, right? Cade Cunningham yeah. works out. You got it. You give him credit because they have him, but it's not quite the same because he's number one overall pick. I guess he could have in a in a really top heavy draft. He, you know, if he'd gone Evan Mobley, whatever. But when you get to five. You know, there's some. I think the GMs get a little bit of credit. Now that assumes that Green Green's going to be what he's going to be, but that's one player in seven years. To your point, right, right. And the other thing too is Al. I feel has failed in every aspect. So whether it be international signings, which you don't have a whole lot of those, like I think Julio Rodriguez, who plays for the Mariners, was an All Star. He was an international signing. They signed him when he was 16. Now, he's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. He's sensational. Uh, Jose Ramirez, who was a Tiger killer, international signing. He's been outstanding, and now we got a huge contract with the Guardians. So you haven't had any of those. 
Al has been given, everybody says Chris Illich doesn't spend. Al's been given $400 million to spend on free agents. And the best one he got was Justin Upton. And then you had to trade him away, unfortunately, because you were rebuilding. But you signed guys like Jordan Zimmerman, $20 million a season. Mike Pelfrey, which never made any sense. Mike Pelfrey and Mark Lowe, they signed in the same year. They signed them and then had to pay them to leave. Like, hey, we are paying you guys to leave the organization. And then finally this year, you get a chance to get some free agents as well because they think you're good enough for free agents now. And Javier Baez has been disappointing, I'd say. And Eduardo Rodriguez, I don't even know what to say about him. It's been very perplexed. It's been a disaster. So, you know, you add it all together. You can't do the free agents. You can't do the trading. We know about Verlander and J.D. Martinez. The Castellanos trade for Lang was good. And then international free agents, you've, you've, you've struck out on too. Like, what can Al do good? I guess my question is, why should Al stay? There's real quickly on the Castellanos-Lang deal. Lang is a, a good reliever. But again, I would say this to you, Andrew. I, I don't know how much – I mean, that trade is fine relative to the – it's relative, right, relative to some of the other trades. Because Cassianos left and was uh, really good in Chicago and then was a stud the, the next year. I want to say next year in Cincinnati, maybe even the next couple of years. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. But um, it's a positional player for a reliever, and the bullpen's been good this year. But And, and obviously you need a bullpen. But uh, the Tigers showed you a long time ago, you know, even an average bullpen, if you've got pitching and, and hitting, which we don't know what it looks like around here, then uh, that's a much better way to get to the postseason. Absolutely. And uh, it's it's fascinating, you know, looking at this team for, you know, my second year being in the city of Detroit and how, you know, it feels like there may be one or two pieces away from feeling like they are on the right track. And then, you know, at the beginning of the year, it feels like everybody's arm just falls off or, you know, this, there's this weird rash of injuries. Guys are unproductive. Like it, it's just one of those, it, sometimes it feels like bad luck, but then there's other times where it feels like, well, why did you get this guy here? Why is that guy there? So yeah, it's, it's very fascinating. It, it's something unlike I've seen in terms of a GM of a team that's been either, you know, been around too long or he's been around and hasn't made any, you know, significant moves. But we know that he's, you know, Avila or Avila has made significant moves. It, this just feels really, it feels really weird. And yeah, it feels like a lot of this is going to eventually fall on him. Oh, no, for sure. And I'm not sure he's, if they don't get this turned around, I don't know that he's going to survive, to be honest with you. Chris Ellich has shown a lot of patience. So maybe he gets one more one more go. Maybe he's a running back one more year. And uh, he would look at this year and say it's a fluky set of circumstances with all the injuries of the pitching staff, with uh, Rodriguez's situation, with Baez kind of having a – I mean, he'd been a little bit up and down before he came here, but he he's clearly got more than this, and he's shown more than this. So – um, you know, you give the young guys uh, another another run. You figured Torkelson can find his way, or you hope he does. If you're Illich, and uh, Green's just going to get better, and maybe some of the guys struggling this year who are way below their numbers will be better. I mean, that's the only scenario I can think of, right? Could he survive um, this year? Because to me, if they don't turn it around, and which I don't think they're gonna, but if it's it plays out the rest of the year the way it has been. 
it's hard to see him surviving. However, I'm curious what you think. Illich has shown, Chris Illich has shown a fair amount of patience with both both the Wings and the Tigers, but specifically with the Tigers. And if you're in Illich's shoes, you could see him saying, well, you know, when we first, uh, when he first took over, we were kind of trying to hang on when we shouldn't have, and we spent some money. And then we went to the rebuild, and we didn't, didn't let him have any money at all. And uh, we finally showed some promise last year in the back half of the year, last third of the year, whatever. And then we come into this year, the signings everybody thinks are reasonable signings, and then the injuries take out the rotation. Rodriguez has whatever that situation is. Meadows uh, gets the vertigo. I mean, just weird stuff. Then you think, okay, Baez, we knew he was up and down, but he's not this down. He's got a resume that shows something more than this. Maybe Torkelson figures it out. Green takes another step. They got other guys that are struggling this year that have shown again, and baseball's like this. If you have enough years, you can kind of show what kind of player you are. And everybody, not everybody, but a lot of guys this year are not showing anything. So if you're Illich, you could talk yourself into saying, do we want to run it back one more year and hope we have some better luck? I mean, it's a good question, right? So I personally would say it's over. Like, I don't exactly know what Al's going to do for you that he hasn't already done for you. He already let him run another draft. And mind you, they took all college kids. There was no high schoolers in this most recent draft. You're going to let him run another trade deadline. I, I, I think Al's bad at his job, unfortunately. With that being said, I think Chris Illich keeps him. I've been told that the Illiches Ken Holland, they love him, and they will never embarrass him unless it's a move up top where he becomes the president. And AJ Hinch, and I know he's tight with Sam Menzen, who's in that organization. Maybe they take over the so-called GM Ing. Then, if that's the case, then maybe that happens. But, but I don't believe he's going to be let go. I think the I mean, Chris Illich already came out, and I know it was at a Red Wings press conference, and he said, I'm very pleased at the direction of the Tigers. So I was at that press conference. There you go. So I'm going to say no. I mean, you got to get rid of them. However, I'm not so certain that Chris will. And by the way, what you say makes a lot of sense, too. Maybe that's how Chris is thinking. There have been injuries, without a doubt. And... I mean, you showed a lot of promise. You get a whole half of a baseball season. If they start to play with the pulse, maybe Chris could be persuaded to keep Al around. But if you're asking me, and I don't know anything, I don't think he's going to fire him. I think it's going to be status quo. It will surprise me unless they uh, – I mean, it'll surprise me too. I mean, unless it gets even worse for me and they stop competing, right? Well, yeah. On some level, which which is hard to imagine with Hinch, but you never know. Te- teams have this uh, – you know how it works with teams. You know, they have their own sort of organic kind of energy to them that sometimes not even, you know, a lot of times not even coaches, managers, whatever can control, not even the players themselves. It's just, it, right. It's just, a, it's a nature, it's kind of human nature in a collective way that we don't always understand, but we recognize it when we see it. So that'd be one way if it just completely falls out more than it even is where there's no effort or energy or frustration on the behalf of the players. But, you know, short of that, short of that, it, yeah, it's hard for me to see it. And I'm not saying he, he should come back. Um, I'd like to, I, you know, I, I'm with you the, the, the previous seven years. But I just think from Illich's perspective, he's going to break up that seven years into a couple of years of trying to hang on when they probably shouldn't have. You might be right. And then, and then bottoming out, and we're not going to spend any money and just trying to draft. 
Meanwhile, they're trying to change the analytics department, the scouting department, the development department, the coaching staffs at all the different levels, AAA, single A, double A, whatever. They're trying to make all that structural change, and that's where all the focus was. We just haven't seen any results from it, right? Yeah, but, Sean, that's the, that's the problem. You haven't seen any results, and I think the biggest issue is the fact that Chris Illich himself, Al Avila too, A.J. Hinch as well, they all said the rebuild was over. And they said they signified that by spending money. And this is the product you have with the rebuild being over. So now you're wondering, where do you go here? Like, they've used all their bullets. They sold you on Torque, and nobody's given up on Torque, as you mentioned. But now he's back in the minors. He was the worst player in Major League Baseball as far as war is concerned. They sold you on Riley Green. Riley Green's been pretty impressive. Other than that, though, if you think about it, they got nobody else to sell you on. So this was a rebuild that took five years. You're in the same situation that you were when it started. And now what are you going to do? How is it going to get better? Who's coming up? Like this minor league system, now that Riley Green is no longer a prospect, is no longer nearly as strong as it was. So so that affects them. Like I think you look at like the Giants, the San Francisco Giants, they were very similar in the rebuild. Like the same year they bottomed out. In fact, Pablo Sandoval, remember him? He had three bombs against JB or whatever it was and gave one of the World Series. But the last game of the season, the Kung Fu Panda hit a home or a walk-off home. Or why am I telling you this? It was back in 2017. That walk-off homer won a game for the Giants, which gave them the second overall pick in the draft instead of the first overall pick. The Tigers got the first overall pick. They took Casey Mize. Now, it's not their fault that he's got Tommy John, but it doesn't look good. Again, added to the long list of Al failures. Meanwhile, the Giants said, we're going to do this a different way. We're not going to bottom out. We're not just going to go try to draft high, which they did a little too, but they reached out to Brandon Belt and they reached out to Brandon Crawford and they said, we're going to bring these guys back. They can still play. And next thing you know, they rebuilt a different kind of way and they won their division last year and they're in a wild card spot right now. My point is, no matter how you sell it, Al has done a bad job. And while you might be right, that Chris sticks with them. I have no idea that could be the case. I would say the time has come. It's past due that this man needs to be gone. Well, that's a good place to take a break. Let's come back and, uh, and talk about the fact that the time has come. And I, 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 I tend to agree with you, but why it's, uh, why it's so important for those who write and cover and talk about the team to say that the time has come. From your perspective, that's right, you people. From your perspective, so let's 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 dig into this uh, the psychology of all this, and we can we can wrap that into line stuff and 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 other stuff. Uh, we will be right back with Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Hello, I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal, focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game. Freak beat writer Chris Slaurie and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom has spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game on the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. 
We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartan Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean, of course, without Carlos. Uh, but hey, you know, after that, what we just heard from that last segment, I don't know that we need Carlos. I don't know that they, you know, the paper needs me, at least in this role. They should bring Jeff in here and he can do double duty with 97 won the ticket. Are you kidding me? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You can just uh, come over here. I'll write a little bit. You can, you can take care of all of our uh, audio needs. That would, that would, that would be great. You can also show me, listener, you can't hear this out, you can't see this out there, but maybe Jeff could show me how to grow a beard and then crop it underneath the chin and not just look so scruffy. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. My wife taught me about that. Thanks for noticing. Did she? Okay. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that, that's rather slick down there. I like that. That, oh. takes a, that takes a steady hand. That takes a steady hand. And uh, we were talking about somebody that uh, you don't think has a very steady hand who happens to run the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> You're ready for him to be. You're, you're ready for him to be gone. You've made that known. You're not shy about that. I, I think um, not that we want to, uh, you know, bring the Detroit news into here. I'll get in trouble with Anna Jeanette Delgado, who produces the executive pro- co-executive producer of this podcast. But you are on a show with a Detroit news columnist who who called for his job, uh, Alavila's job. But I right. think that was after you were t- saying, "Where are all the people calling for his job?" By the way, when my brother called me to tell me you were kind of going on this rant a little bit. I thought, okay, because I had a column coming the next, I thought the next day, or no, supposed to be that day, but they ended up holding it about how bad the trading has been from Avila. And I thought, okay, Jeff's going to just think, oh yeah, this is the kind of influence he has. And then, and then Woj does his. So you're probably taking credit for that too. Well, to be honest, Wojo told me, he's like, I turned on your stupid little show. It was on a Sunday at that point. And he's like, I turned you on, and I had the column done. Apparently, he had wrote it on Friday. And then the Tigers got blanked 10-0 on Saturday on national TV. And that was when he really, I think, you know, decided to, like, finish it up. So he already had it written, he says, when I decided to say what I said. But but I'll, t- I'll take it. You know what? I-, I wield a lot of power, apparently, that you guys are now writing these articles. Well, yeah, I had mine in the tank. I think Andrew would vouch for that. Mine, I didn't call for his job. I just kind of laid out what, you know, the, the trading and why it's been so bad and uh, the frustration. I, I tend to believe, and, and I'm, let's, let's get into this a little bit. I tend to believe, um, I like to, to, to wait closer to the end. Right. I mean, I, I seriously doubt they're not going to, um, that they're going to turn this around. Right. But I still want to, I still, I still want to see that. So you can criticize and say, well, I, I, obviously they stink. And it's not going well. And they got themselves in trouble. And not that I want to go off on this tangent completely, but you were talking about the expectation and where do they go and what are the bullets do they have? Because, you know, they said, hey, we're done rebuilding. They didn't just say they were done rebuilding, Jeff. I was down in spring training and they're talking about our goals to make the playoffs this year, right? So they they said that. Something Steve Eiserman would not say last week right. after signing after signing the free agents. And I actually wondered if they maybe not talked internally, but I wondered, well, maybe that's just Eisman's personality. That's fair. But also watching what happened with the Tigers, all that talk. Well, I think you look at the East too, right? In the NHL, the East looks so tough, even if the wings are better. And I think they will be, Sean. Like, I, I, I think it's going to be hard to make the playoffs next year. I do. Like, unless Boston falls off, but then Columbus just got better. But you, you raise a great point. You really do, because – the thing that makes this so hard, I think, in this season such a disaster, 
is that we finally had expectations. We were thrilled about the expectations. And now you look at the Lions, and they're the most bet-on team in Vegas, and everybody's <laughs> taking the over of six, and everybody's picking up DeAndre Swift to be the, the have the most yards, rushing yards, and they're, they're betting on Dan Campbell to win coach of the year, and you can't help but to feel, well, we saw how it went with the Tigers. Hopefully it doesn't happen the same thing for the Lions. I, I wrote a column that uh, about that very thing a month ago or maybe six weeks ago. Just And I was trying to make the argument to the, to the readers and the fans out there, don't let what's happened with the Tigers mute your enthusiasm, <laughs> mute your enthusiasm for the Lions because that's all you ever have, right, is summertime yeah. hope, summertime enthusiasm for the Lions. So don't kill it now. You know, if, if they do what they often do, you'll, you'll be done in the end of September or the beginning of October. Right. So, but uh, enjoy the, the, enjoy the hype. Because at that point, I think there were so many national people and national football people jumping all over this, this lines uh, train, as you say, right. Even people, the other people at your station who are normally a little bit more um, cautious, skeptical, whatever, cynical, whatever word you want to use. Right. 100% are, jump, are, are j- jumping in. A- a- absolutely, which which is nice to see, but at the same time, it's it's very scary, without a doubt, because we've all been here before. But I agree with you. Like, just let's embrace the optimism because we don't get a chance for it very often in this town with these teams. And then if it goes awry, like it probably will, then we deal with it then. But I like that people are saying good things about the Lions and. You're, you're, you're right about the Tigers. The fact that people finally expected something. That's the crazy thing. And you know it, and I know it, and everybody knows it. In this town, we have nothing. So we get excited about small things. But the fact that one team came out and said, hey, the rebuild's over. We're spending a little money. We expect to make the playoffs. There's an extra spot, a playoff spot to make this year in the MLB. And then you look at this team, and they're one of the the work, well, they're one of the three worst teams in the American League and five worst teams in baseball. No, dude, that's why I got sent to summer ball in Vegas a couple of weeks ago because because of the hope, because of the optimism. Because, you know, a year after Cade Cunningham, here comes this uh, guard, guard who played, you know, who people who watch Michigan, Michigan State obviously saw him play, so they know. But that that kind of athleticism and first step, that electricity that is, is thrilling that Jay Nivey offers. Yeah. So I got sent out there for the second year in a row um, based on – uh, you know, it's a, it's a business decision to some degree. They figure there'll be an audience and there was because people are, I don't want to say desperate, but they're anytime there's just even a little bit, then, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. We're going to be out in 113 degree heat writing about summer league. Yep. No, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? it it's, 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 it's kind of pathetic just because we have nothing at the same point. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. Cause we will jump at anything. Like, like Sean, I say this all the time, guys. Like I was at, I'm sure you were too. I was at the, it was the Bucks and the Pistons. Blake Griffin was still a Piston. He was a warrior that night, but they made the playoffs as an eight seed. And the Bucks swept them. But I went to games three and four at Little Caesars Arena. And it was amazing. The electricity, fan base. They loud. knew they were going to lose. Pistons didn't have a chance in heck, but it didn't matter. So I think about when a legitimate series actually happens, whether it be baseball, football, basketball, whatever the case is, football, single game, playoff game, this town's going to be off the hook. They're going to be insane. And I can't wait for it. But no, I, 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 I can, we talk about that all the time at the papers. You know, a lot of times people think, uh, 
I don't know. Fans have a lot of ideas about what motivates us, why we write about what we write about. But uh, I, you know, whether we root for the teams or not, whether we root against the teams or not, I, I, what I, it's not that I root, but what I like, what I hope for, because, well, first of all, we, I live here, you live here. We want to be surrounded by people that are happy. It's just a better, better community to live in. So there's, that's one, but two is uh, it's good for business, man. You know, people will hate read or hate listen about uh, and, and listen to criticism only so long, right? And then and then they get and then they become apathetic or indifferent or whatever, and they turn away. And you can probably see that in your numbers. We certainly see that in the way we measure readership. Winning, there's nothing like winning in terms of interest and all of that. And so just in terms of self-preservation, we, we like to see winning. Carlson and I argue about this. He's like, ah, oh, whatever. But he's from California. He has no... I don't know. You know what I mean? It's different for him. Yeah, there's more to do out there. I mean, it's from Los Angeles. You can do it at the beach, right? Go to Hollywood. But no, Chris, or uh, Sean, you're, you're absolutely right. We, we It would be nice to win. Now, don't get me wrong. When the Lions lose an epic game, it's great. It's great because people want to react. You have phone lines. People are angry. Anger is a good emotion for sports because, you know, it's very entertaining. People want to yell and scream. But after a while, and we do see this with Avila and the Tigers, the apathy is set in. And I actually give credit to the fan base for being apathetic. Like, why would you want to go watch this product? Or why would you want to even hear about this product when they are so bad? You reach a point of no turning back where you're like, okay, we're, we can't even talk about the Tigers. The only reason we talked about the Tigers and I talked about the Tigers over the weekend was because it was the all-star break. So you could kind of do a little wrap up and then you could bring Al into it and you could talk about what's gone down and it becomes an Al topic. But for the most part, as a station, I could just speak for my show. We're not talking a lot about the Tigers because the majority of people have checked out and they're not watching. They don't care. They want, they want to hear about it. And I don't blame them. No, I don't know. And I, I mean, it, you know this, I mean, you've been here in this market a long time. The only team that sort of, um, is the exception to that rule or the lions. Right. And, and that's, and I partly think that's because, well, first of all, football is the most popular sport, but secondly, it's the nature of the schedule. They're just 16 games, but even with the lions, you know, they fill up and they're losing, they, the fans come, they still watch, but even with the lions, there are occasionally years where after Thanksgiving, it's, you know, there's very little interest in the lions in December. Now I, that's, that's unusual, but, um, but yeah, they're the, they're the one team that apathy doesn't really set in. I think it's a sh it's the shortest season of the three or the four sports, right? And they're by far the fewest amount of games. So I I think that probably has something to do with it. Yeah, no, I would I would agree. I did see something though below the worst ten football last year. Now I do think that's obviously because the team was building. Nobody expected much. And why show up to a game that they're probably not going to win. But you know, and I know, and everybody else knows, if they start winning games, this town will lose it. It will be crazy. And hopefully that's what happens because we've never experienced that. No, I no, I mean, I remember in 91 when they got to the, the NFC playoffs or the NFC championship game, title game, and and um and yeah, people were, were were nuts, right? I mean, you remember with the with the Pistons, it wasn't that long ago up up at the Palace, and how crazy that was. You referenced Little Caesars with the first round sweep yeah. against the Bucks, and I was there for those two games. It was it was crazy. It gave you a sense. I mean, you remember obviously when the Tigers were doing their thing, and and clearly the Wings. I mean, we're in a rut. It hadn't been that, it, the Lions has been forever, right? It's never happened, but 
but uh, other than that one run in 60 years, but, um, but everybody else at least has had some success. All right. So let me, let's get back to the original premise of this segment. Sorry, this is not good uh, radio, if you will. We say what we say, what we're going to talk about and then we don't, but so why do you think it's so important for um, columnists? Cause you were talking about this the other day to say, Hey, this guy needs to go. Why do you think it, it's important for the fans? Because we don't really have that kind of influence on what the owners are going to do, right? They're going to do what they're going to do. I agree that you might not have the influence that you think of you have. However, I think you have more influence than us. Like, I do think it's one thing to rant and rave about it on the radio, have a lot of emotion, have a lot of passion. And yeah, maybe somebody's listening. I don't think what I say or even what you say is going to make Chris Illich do something. I don't. Although I did hear that his dad used to act like that, right? The media writes something and Mike sometimes did what the media thought they should do. I guess what I would say, though, is to me, the written word is always stronger. You can't hide from it. You write a column, it's going to be there no matter what. People can Google it. People can quote it. It's not going to go anywhere. Me speaking on the radio, I'll just speak for myself. It just pretty much goes in the air, right? And while people hear it and people get opinions and ideas about what you're saying, I do think that the work you do, the written word, I just, I don't, maybe I don't know why I think it. I just think it's a little more powerful. The other thing I think too is, At this point, when we all think Al should be fired, I do think that, well, if I'm saying it and all the fan base says it, then why isn't a columnist writing it as well? Maybe it goes viral a little bit. Maybe the USA Today picks it up or Yahoo Sports pick it up. And maybe the pressure is even more. And maybe we as a fan base, a community, get the message across to the owner that this guy's not getting the job done. Like Chris Illich could be, he might be, He might not understand what's going on. He might not understand what the fans think. He might not understand what his paying customers believe. Now, I find that hard to believe, but it's a possibility. So a column by you or anybody else, I don't think it hurt. Now, I would never say write something you don't believe. But if you believe it, I would say write it because I think it adds to the movement, if you will, of creating change. And you said it. We all want a winner. We all want happy people. It's not going to happen with this guy. Does that make sense? No, that, that makes total sense. And like I was kind of explaining earlier, for me personally, I like to um, get to, it's like, you know, it's like firing, uh, I was a short order cook and got myself through school that way. And it'd be like firing somebody in the middle of the rush. You know what I mean? You wait, you wait till the end of the, you wait till the end of the rush and then, and then you do it. And, and I guess that's, uh, I don't know what you accomplished by doing it right now. Um, or, I mean, I guess you could say it right now that it needs to go at the end of the year, but I, I, I wanted to, because we're just at the all-star break personally, I say, okay, well, here's, here's where we're going to criticize them or me. Here's where I'm going to say this and this and this and this, it's not anything new. Everybody knows everything with something like this. Right. I mean, so, sometimes you can bring a little bit of a different angle. I try to do that a lot in the way I write to get somebody to think about something a little bit differently. And, um, but it, otherwise you just kind of part of the noise, but I am generally somebody that likes to, unless there's something outside of the, the actual job of putting a team together or coaching a team or whatever, if they're getting in trouble with the law or you're st- starting to talk about moral questions, right? That's different to me. But, uh, but just in terms of how you run the team. Yeah. I know it's been seven years, but I would probably um, say, because I don't take it lightly to say somebody has got to lose their job. Right. No, that, that's, that's what this is, right? You, do you really want to, 
right? Do you really want to say that? I know we do that with politicians and sports figures. But uh, so I would want to wait until the end of the season and say, all right, he doesn't deserve to come back. That's just me personally. I will say this, and it's too bad Carl's didn't hear because Carl's is often, um, he's got a, you know, he's got a certain reputation, right? Maybe <laughs> trying to change, maybe trying to change that a little bit. He's actually been fairly positive whenever he's written about the Tigers this year. It's, it's, you know, that's the thing about Carl's. You think he's going to go one way and he wants to go the other. And, um, you know, he's kind of counterintuitive like that a little bit. It's surprising he hasn't done it. But you're right. If Mitch were all of a sudden to say, okay, Alva's got to go, that would probably carry a little bit of weight. Yeah, I agree. And, and again, like, I would never say write something you don't want. And I would never say, you're absolutely right. To call for somebody's job is kind of a big deal, whether it's radio, whether it's print. But I also look at the facts of, okay, so Al probably makes $5 million, And he's done this for quite some time. And it is a results-oriented business. And as much as I like him as a person, I think he's a very nice man. I really do. As much as I like him as a person, I think he's a good baseball guy too. I just think the time is now. And I see no outs. I see absolutely no outs. The bottom line is, I agree with what you're saying. It's something, obviously, that you have to believe in. But I believe it. So I say it. And it would be nice to get a little company saying it too. And hopefully we get a little change because I do believe this, this team, this, this city deserves a good baseball team team. And, and I go back to, I mean, Sean, go back to when the Tigers were good. Oh, six, 11, 12, 13, 14. You're talking 3 million fans of the ballpark. You're talking my 78 year old mother talking about Joel Zamaya, like the entire city was electrified by what the Tigers were able to do. So I want that again. I think our whole city wants that again. And I don't believe Al's the guy to give it to you. So at this point, it's strength in numbers. The more people that say it, the more people that want to write it, I'm all for it. And I don't hide from it. I mean, I feel how I feel. Now, Now Al might think I do a lousy job on the radio, and he might call for my firing, and that's totally fair. But I, I don't think I could change my opinion here. No, I, you know, and, and I do tend to agree with you. It, it's just, uh, I have kind of my process. You have yours. Everybody, everybody's a little bit different. Um, I will say this, and I just, we can talk about this for a second before we uh, end this segment, but this has nothing to do with access. I know a lot of fans think that we, you know, we, we won't write something because, or we don't write something because we're afraid we're going to get access. This is not how it works, right? You write what you no, write. No, no. I've never in my journalism career heard of somebody getting stripped of access, right? Now, you may you may not be able to go into somebody's office. You may have a t- tougher time building in individual relationships, but that's different. You're not going to get stripped access, the, the kind of access everybody else says you have, I have. We can go to the clubhouse, the locker room, whatever, the press conferences after the games. That has nothing to do with what you write, right? A team's not going to do that. Have you ever heard of anybody losing their access because of that? Uh, one person. Kansas City, she used to work here at Ronda Moss. She, the, the, she asked some really good questions at a press conference and the Royals took her credential and she got it back. And there was a big groundswell of how she was treated mis- uh, unfairly. And it was because she asked legitimate baseball questions. The Royals didn't like it, but you're absolutely right. I, I can tell you this. I've been covering the Tigers, the Red Wings, the Pistons, the Lions forever. And while I've heard some things from the Lions, Back in the old regime, stuff they didn't like about me or whatever. I've never, ever had a Tiger or anybody come up to me and say, hey, I didn't like what you said in the radio. And it doesn't stop you from going in the locker room. Like, people don't understand. People just say that because they don't understand it, I think. But 
you get A.J. Hinch, let's say, after a game. Then you can walk into the clubhouse and you can choose where you go. If a guy's sitting at his stall, you want to go talk to him, go talk to him. I mean, the majority of the media might go to the starting pitcher. You can go to like, I don't know, Jonathan Scope if you decide to do so. So I'm 100% with you. The access is not the issue. And, and I don't think writers or radio people are afraid either. I just think, no. like you say, some people take longer to get there, which is great. Like Wojo said, he waited until he thought the Tigers had no more outs. That there was, there, there, there was it. There was no more outs. There was no way Al could improve this team. That's when he decided to write the article. And, and I like that frame of mind. Now, I think I've reached that point a little while ago or maybe before. A couple of years ago. Yeah. A couple of years ago. But, but overall, like I'll tell you this too. Like the Tigers did a really good job of making me and everybody else forget about Al. With the Javi Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez and the rebuild is over and the expectations. Like, like Al wasn't public enemy number one anymore. And it lasted for a little bit. And then Mickey got his 3,000th hit against the Rockies. And really, the second game of that doubleheader, that's when it started. They lost that game, and they've been losing ever since, and it's been a disaster ever since. And, yeah, it's just time. No, it is. And you can look. I mean, they just haven't developed positional players, right? Or they haven't traded. They haven't developed them. They haven't traded for them or traded for them to develop them. They haven't signed them and, um, or drafted them other than Riley Green, right? And, and, and Torkelson, the Tigers fans hope, obviously. It's, uh, you know, you don't give up on somebody that young. But, yeah, no, it's. It's right there, and um, and uh, Chris Ellich is going to have a really difficult decision. Listen, we got to take one more break. I have one more question for you, if well, you've got time. Sure. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. My name is Kerry Jr. The second. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press, and now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast, On the Line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Uh, Jeff, we're at the time of the show. This is actually Carlos's brainchild. We do this at the end of every show, end of every uh, podcast, where we kind of talk about our favorite thing of the week. It could be something you watched, something you did, private, uh, something with your family, something with your kids, whatever. Any A movie you saw, a show you saw, any it could, it's something you ate. It could be anything. And, um, and we just take a couple of minutes to say, look back over the week and say, there's something that I enjoyed because as you know, Jeff, there's a lot of, uh, acrimony out there. There's a lot of, uh, it's just that the, the world is a mess in a lot of ways in soup. But, uh, so we try to offer up a little something, you know, just a, a little something that, uh, to remind us that, yeah, it's not, it's not all awful in any case, I'm going to go first. Normally, Carlos goes first, but I'm going to go first and uh, you get the hang of it. That'll give you a quick second to think about 
your uh, the past seven days. All right, so I'm going to be quick about mine. I have uh, uh, family friends, actually my mother's college roommate from Ball State University back in the 60s. Where they were just kind of paired together. They would move in as you do at a university. They became lifelong friends. My mom's been gone, Jeff, uh, out of seven, eight years. My dad's been gone, was 30. In any case, my mother's college roommate um, reached out to me a few weeks ago and said, hey, I'm going to be up with her, my husband, Mike. I call them Aunt Sue and Uncle Mike's kids. So that's kind of the relationship. And they have a daughter um, who was a goddaughter to my parents. In any case, so Sue, my Aunt Sue, quote, unquote, reaches out and says, Hey, I'm going to be up in Michigan with uh, Mike and with Amy, their daughter. And we want to, we want to get together and, um, and meet. So we did. So, uh, we, we have lunch together, Jeff, and I hear stories about my father and my mother, but especially about my father who has been gone for so long. I hear stories about him and so forth. So I leave the restaurant and it occurs to me, Jeff, that I hadn't actually come across other than my brother. I have a small family and I'm a chest. I hadn't actually heard somebody talk about my dad who knew him from way, way back in years and years and years. And um, you don't think about that, right? You don't, you don't, I don't know if you've lost a parent or not, but you don't think about this. You get used to, you have to move on. That's life. But one of the things, one of the things you don't think about all the time is just having somebody else who knew somebody that you loved and care about. And then kind of hearing a different uh, part of their life and just, and that connection. And it was really, um, it was really kind of amazing. I mean, it was great to hang out and all that, but just that part of it being connected for the first time in a way in a long, long time to to my pop, that was, uh, that was amazing. It was just a tiny little moment, but that, uh, that was the highlight of my week. What about you? Wow. I'm not going to be able to top that. I don't think. But <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. That We'd is, sometimes say, Hey, what's our favorite? What, what an episode of the boys or whatever? I don't know. Who the boys is a good show, I must say. <laughs> um, also, Blackbird, solid show on Apple TV. Check it out. Um, with that being said, there's actually two things. One thing is actually sports. Just very quickly, I loved Dan Campbell referencing SOL. I loved it. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I actually think it might mean more than most other people might think it means. But I actually think maybe he gets it. Maybe he gets us. I love he lived it. it. He lived it, right? Maybe he experienced it. Yeah, he was on that 0-16 uh, team. The year before that, he played played one game that year. The year before that, he played two games. And then the year before that, he played in every game and caught four touchdowns. Um, so I like that sports-wise. Non-sports-wise, I do work a lot of weekends. And just Saturday, my, uh, wife, my wife wanted some family pictures taken. So we drove up to Flint where this woman was taking our pictures and we got the family pictures taken. And then we went to Frankie Muth. We went to Bronner's, my daughter's first ever time there. She was born on Christmas. So she loves Christmas. So she thought it was the greatest store in the history of stores. Hung out in Frankie Muth a little bit. Bertrand is just right there. Then we went to a buddy's campsite in Walden Woods and, you know, hit the lake, hit the pool and, I don't know. I think it's one of those days that later in life, certain days stick with you. And then I feel the day that's going to stick with me. I mean, at the end of the day, it's ho-hum, right? Just hanging out with the family. But we did three cool things. I got a great family. And I don't always get to see them. So I, I know it's very simple. But um, 
Nah, kind of thought no, that's, it next day. So yeah, it's very, it was very that's that that's awesome, man. That is not simple at all. And and, and isn't that true, Jeff? The the day I mean, we there are days, there are a handful of days, maybe more than a handful of days that you remember. You get down the road yeah. and you look back. Sometimes not for for pleasant reasons, sometimes for very painful reasons. Absolutely. But when you get a day like when you get a day like you're talking about, man, those are the best, right? Because you know you know they're gonna yeah, because you just Look, in most days or whatever, you know, they just blend into the next. You try to do what you could do, do something decent, do something kind. Try not to get frustrated when you when you want to, whatever. But those kind of those kind of days, right? Those kind of days, yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's no. great. And I I I, I I appreciate you sharing that, and uh, and I appreciate you spending time and filling in uh, for Carlos. We'll have to get you back on sometime when, uh, when Carlos is here. So, you know, you guys can duke it out a little bit. Guys, always a pleasure. And uh, let's, let's get football season. I mean, I'm, I like the summer and all, but let's bring on the football. We need it. Yeah. Let's get, let's get football and let's get into, and then from there, the, Hey, the Pistons, right? The wing should be a little bit better. It. The Pistons, are, the Pistons should be fun. Yeah. I would think or at least in- interesting, you know, right? So I yeah, we got some open. We got we, we got some stuff, Sean. We need something. <laughs> we do, we do, we do. Well, listen, Jeff, again, uh, thanks for joining us. And uh we will we will talk to you soon. Keep up the great work on 97 one the ticket. Absolutely. You do the same, and I appreciate it, guys. Always a pleasure. Have a good one. All right. Okay, take care. Well, Andrew, uh we we, we got through it. We managed to get through another podcast without Carlos, but 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 we'd much rather have him here. And I'm um, looking forward to having him back. Hopefully, hopefully that will be soon. We hope he's out there, uh, you know, enjoying himself and, and and getting the rest that he needs on the break. Right? Uh, agreed. 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 And, and and you know the the fact that uh, you know we've had, we've had Jeff in and, and 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 helping us out. I really appreciate him coming on. But you know, Carlos just adds that you guys were agreeing too much. You yeah, you're probably right. We, I'm, I'm sorry, listener, for that. Uh, we will we will get back to dis, our disagreeable selves next. <laughs> we'll get that we'll get that energy uh, back. Next. No, 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 no Jeff, who did a great job. Well, what's that say about yeah, Carlos? There's, right? there's, I mean, I think that's I think that's something about Carlos, if you ask me. But uh, there you go. There's a, there's a shot. I hope that makes you feel better. <laughs> well, listen, Andrew, it's been a pleasure, and um, thank you, listener, listeners, hopefully. For spending some time with us again this week, we want to thank, uh, well, we'll start with uh, Andrew, our producer here, who makes this possible every week. We want to thank Anjanelle Delgado, co-executive producer, Kirkland Crawford, the sports editor, also co-executive producer. And we want to thank Peter uh, Bhatia, the editor of the Free Press. You can find uh, Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean wherever you find your favorite podcasts. It's Spotify, uh, Apple. When you get there, give us a rating. Tell us what you think. Uh, subscribe. It makes it uh, a little bit easier to download, not even download, just a little, little easier to listen to every week. But uh, again, thanks for your time this week. Thanks for listening. We will talk to y'all next week. <laughs>